This podcast represents the opinions of our hosts and guests. The content here should not be taken as medical advice and is for informational purposes only. This podcast also does not establish a standard of care, doctor-patient or client relationship. No guarantee is given regarding the accuracy of any statements or opinions made on the podcast or website. And because each person is so unique, all listeners are encouraged to connect with counseling and medical professionals for assistance with their personal journey. All people, places, and scenarios mentioned in the podcast have been changed to protect the privacy of those involved. You're listening to the We're Not Fine podcast with Doug Jensen and Dr. Talia Jackson. guys well good afternoon fine young gentlemen how are y'all doing yeah oh now now i used y'all you yelled us i did yelled i did y'all us so i was just thinking today you know talia you and i oftentimes will talk about how life throws us these balls and you know it's just like this ongoing sort of experience and one of the things i've become so aware of you know my 21 year old went to college in la momentarily came back to minnesota we spent a great deal of time exploring all apartment options thank you to our broker alejandro for all of his effort in showing us the city and some beautiful spaces um and you know it's interesting in relocating it is so much work and, you know, my 21-year-old got her got their first job, uh, just drove back home for the first time from Chicago. And it was kind of fun because they got home and they were like, all I have to do is drive a few hours and I'm home. Whereas it used to be like getting on a plane and getting an Uber and doing all of this coordination. So, that and, you know. That is so fun. Hop, it's skip, something. and jump away from dad. Hop, skip, and jump. And it felt like nothing. But of course, I'm still a little bit of a helicopter. We've talked in a previous episode about like when to let go a little bit. And I, I was very much like, can you let me know when you're stopping, which rest area you're at um, and all those sorts of things. I'm, I'm still not quite able to just assume they are fine getting there. And, you know, all of a sudden I'm getting pictures of her, of them feeding their birds some cantaloupe and, and whatnot at a stop. So it's something, but I'll tell you something, I underestimate how some of these things are and how much work mm. and effort and coordination and the millions of little details. And I will also tell you, it was almost like buying a house to get this apartment. Like I'm the co-signer on the apartment and it was like 1040 and revenue reports and bank statements. And I'm like, what, what has gone on? So I have this weird, like immense empathy for new people trying to rent for the first time. I don't know how people do it. Well, can you imagine trying to do it if you don't have a parent? I mean, even like a 21-year-old who is, in theory, an adult without a parent. I mean, I don't know how anyone can apply to college and get in without a parent or a guardian or a mentor. I don't know how anyone can navigate the world, get your first apartment, exactly what you're saying. I also agree with you some pretty funny stories you told me about Maui, the bird, uh, and how they are only attached to your 21-year-old obsessed with. And I remember there being a very interesting goodbye between you and Maui. 
You mean when Maui jumped up at my face and grabbed hold of it with her beak? <laughs> yeah, that was pleasant. Yes. Uh, let me just say that, you know, I am thrilled that Chicago allows <laughs> Quaker parrots and that my younger can have their bird there because I get to play the loud music in my house now. And I don't because have to Maui worry about... did not like your lifestyle. Maui, no, Maui did not, did not like your like... music. You know, my my dance music, my gay club music that I would play in the morning to get myself motivated. Yeah, Maui was not a fan. So I mean, the whole, everyone is the happier Maui now. Stories, I mean, the Maui story. I could go on and on about how funny your relationship with Maui has been over the years. I think I still have a wound a few weeks later. <laughs> ouch. Ouch. Yeah, it's, it is ouch. All right. Let's get into our mailbag for today. About two years ago, my family went through an ordeal that ended in a bitter divorce and eventually no visitation and a restraining order for my ex-wife. It was an intensely painful experience as it turned out her mother had been abusing one of our daughters, Susie, almost nine now, pretty severely with my ex's consent. When I tried to put a stop to that, my ex became increasingly violent until there was no other option but to go through the courts and get a restraining order. We have three children together in total, Susie, Tempris, who are both almost nine, and Thomas, who's six now. I so got twin, new, girls, twin, twin girls, twin girls, and a boy. And a little boy. I got the news early this morning that my ex-wife died. Oh. I don't want to get into the specifics, but it was a horrible accident. I don't know how to feel. I gave this woman my, my whole life once, and there was a time I would have done anything for her. I did love her. It's hard to grieve her, though, after everything that's happened and we've gone through in the last few years. Right now, I just feel numb, like I'm in shock. The thing I need advice about. My children and I were banned from her funeral. She applied for and received an annulment of our marriage, claiming I was possessed by demons. And her family is using that to keep my family away from the services. Even if we weren't banned, I would not want to expose my children to their grandmother ever for any reason. Again, I don't know how to tell my kids that their mother is dead, that there will never be a reconciliation and they will never have closure. They don't even get to say goodbye. I know my son at least misses his mother desperately. Um, you know, he wasn't a part of the, the abuse situation as far as I know. And I don't know what this news will do to him. I don't even know if I should say anything while Thanksgiving break is going on. I know I will have to tell them eventually. She's been allowed to call them once a week for the past few months. And they'll definitely notice tomorrow when that doesn't happen. What do I do and how do I explain any of this to them? Oh, boy. Um, oh. You know, I must say, first of all, um, I am so sorry for what your entire family has gone through. Like, I think because of the layers of this complicated grief where you're not only grieving the safety of your children and wanting to make sure that they recover from that as best they can and live full lives and gain security and trust adults again and have a sense of right and wrong regarding that abuse, uh, particularly the two girls um, this is a very complicated web and your your grief is complicated. Um, and one of the things I'm really grateful for is that you are speaking so clearly about what your feelings are and what your mixed experience is emotionally. And I think that's part of what's going to really help you moving forward is not try so hard to do it a certain way. 
and to just have those feelings kind of emerge as they do and let yourself feel that sort of mixed experience emotionally about about loving somebody and yet probably hating somebody as well for what you know she left for your kids in terms of their life experience i want to clarify something though and that's that you know you talked about uh, your kids never being able to get closure and i i will of course suggest that there's lots of ways of getting closure and it's not just going to a funeral in fact a memorial service or a funeral, depending on cremation or an open casket for your ex-wife, can be very complicated for kids and not always the best option for kids who are unable to process what that loss is in that concrete way. So there's a lot of ways of doing this, but at some point, what I do encourage is for you, and there's books on this, there are therapists, there are kid therapists who are good at this, but based on what your belief system is, what your spiritual and religious belief system is, as well as you know how your kids are coping in general, um, I do think letting them know that their mother has died in a way that works for them. You know, I remember when I was growing up, Louis, Leo Biscali, I had a book called The, Fre uh, the Fall of Freddie the Leaf, and it was about the death process of a leaf falling from a tree. And it was a means uh, that book was written to help kids kind of understand loss and understand what that looks like. And those books are probably going to be helpful for you to review with your kids and read to your kids anyway. But I do think you can let them know in a way that at their developmental level, they can understand. I will tell you, you've got a long road ahead of you because these girls in particular were violated by their grandmother. And it's probably best given that. I don't know the extent of the abuse. It's best for her not to be in their life. It is okay to have people out of their life um, who have been abusive and harmful in any sort of way. You're, you're actually on the right side of that. And I'm glad that you were in some ways banned from seeing the grandma because you don't want her around those kids. And it can be re-traumatizing, so you don't want that in addition to everything else going on. Um, there are also support groups for parents in that situation. There are support groups for kids, but mostly for yourself. It might be really helpful for you to access some support as you navigate this with your kids, because it's not just going to be letting them know. It's about a long lifetime of questions, and it's a long lifetime of processing that grief. And, and really, again, for those two girls in particular, making sure that they understand the good touch and the bad touch and what was inappropriate about that circumstance. I don't know if it was just physical, if it was verbal, if it was sexual. Um, I think abuse is abuse. So I think any kind of, kind of violation of their safety will be something that you navigate now as you rebuild their security in this world. I mean, honestly, you said that so beautifully, Doug, and I, you know, how I love to come up with ways to argue with you, but I, I can't think of a single thing. I, I agree 100%. That's exactly how you could be thinking about this um, and accessing the resources that you need to be processing your very complicated grief because yeah. it sounds like you're grieving not just the woman that just died, but grieving the woman that you married, that was your everything. And I think it's pretty fair to say that there's some pretty intense mental illness running yep. through the veins and brain, you know, neural pathways of, of your ex's family and the trauma and the grandma and the defensiveness and the contentious divorce. I mean, the abuse, the whole thing is just so incredibly tragic. There are ways for you to talk to your kids about this that will help them feel like you are in it with them. 
And I think like the rule of thumb is you don't want to lean on them for support, of course, right? You don't want to lean on them. They're going to lean on you for support. You're getting your support elsewhere. But if you're getting the support that you need and you're talking about it and you're figuring it out, they are going to hear your experience and they're going to make sense of how complicated it is. And they're going to realize like, oh, daddy feels 20 conflicting feelings all at the same time. That makes me feel like I can also say I love her and I hate her. I'm so sad she's gone. I'm glad she's gone. I was scared of her, yet I desperately wanted her in my life. I mean, this is incredibly complicated. And so I think that there's a way also, I think what they say is if your child asks you a question, they're ready for you to answer that question. And so if you think about like what Doug was saying about their developmental levels and you can read books, you can like go on YouTube, you could have your own therapist and have that therapist help guide you through how to talk to your kids about this at whatever stage it is. And I think it is a, it is going to be a little bit different for the girls. Was it just one of the girls, Greg, that was abused or both? Yeah, well, you never know, right? But yeah, it was just one of the girls. It's going to be a different experience for them. I might have made an assumption about that, yeah. Well, I liked what you were saying about um, possibly having a therapist sit in with them. You know, it it sounds like, and I also like what you both said about there's really multiple issues going on here. There's his own grief and own personal issue, right? And then there's the, the, the stuff going on with the children. And that's important to recognize that because um, it's very different and will be handled differently. But yep. if he's not in a place because of his own grief to really feel like he can handle this well, then you know, bring in help. That's what help is there for. Help helps, right? And um, you know that would be a good thing. I also think that, um, and we don't know, right? It was talking about being banned from the funeral, right? Um, that's just their funeral. You can do your own that's right. situation yep. on your own, and you can decide how it's best for you know, your immediate family to remember the good and, and honor whatever you feel needs to be honored or to say the goodbyes or to have closure, but that can be written by you and doesn't require anybody else. And in fact, actually, um, from what he was saying, right. Um, doesn't want to be around the grandmother. So I don't know how you would get that her not to show up unless you had the restraining order and you went through the courts and it was a whole thing, but, um, that one will cost money and two, there's a timing thing on it too, right? When someone <laughs> passes and, and there's stuff happening. So it could be a little challenging, but you don't have to go there. You can just take your own time and do it your own way. And I think it think could be best. very healing for um, Trent to be figuring out with his kids and only with his kids, what they want to do. And if, the son 
has a different feeling of what he'd like to do to honor his mother than the daughters. Like there are no, I think what you're saying, Greg, which I really like is like, there are no rules here. You get to do what's right for you and your family. I would say don't force your girls to do anything they're not comfortable doing. They might not want to honor her at all. One of them might, one of them not. Whatever they're needing to do and whatever support they're needing, all three of your kids are probably going to be needing very different things at this time. But they are so lucky to have you. And remember that your job as a parent, our jobs as parents is to create security and protection and safety for our kids. The, the way that kids develop uh, in, a, in an adaptive, healthy way is by having that structure and having the support and having the security and the love of a parent. And so while it's not easy by any stretch of the imagination, given all that's going on and the shock that you have as well about her sudden death, the reality is we got to, as adults, kind of put some of that stuff aside if we can and make sure that our kids know that they can come to us at any time because we're talking about this immediate sort of disclosure to these kids. But this is, again, a lifelong process. Your kids might be 50 years old and be like, hey, wait a minute. I wonder about this related to my mom or I wonder mm-hmm. how this happened and what happened? Like, I think there can be these sorts of things. And one of the things that I think about, you know, having something like this where there's a big, big, you know, sudden loss, it can feel traumatic to these kids. And depending on the nature of the abuse in this situation, there may be this delayed response. But again, the goal is to get your kids as as safe and secure and loved in their environment as possible so that whatever ever emerges, they know they can come to you. And, and that you're available for them to have whatever emotional experience or questions or comments or whatever might happen, happen. And I would say that's even more important than the closure that they could get at this I agree. funeral. I mean, to, for the kids 100%. to know that they have you and that they can feel however they feel. And they're going to feel some ugly things that they're going to be embarrassed about feeling. Yep. And that can be your chance to have it be safe. And you can say, I feel all those same feelings too. Or like, I completely understand how you feel that. And I know it's not pretty, it's complicated, but kids are so smart and intuitive and yeah, you've got this. It is going to be a long, painful road, but my goodness, imagine if they didn't have you. Trent, I also just want to say, you know, we're talking about grief and I just want to outline that, of course, anger can be a part of grief. And I I want to just make sure that, you know, you are not responsible for the grandma's behavior. You are not responsible for this abuse taking place. In fact, getting that restraining order in place really showed your kids that you are there as a protector and that you have their best interests in mind. I think you're rocking it. I think you're doing a great job, despite the fact that you're going to have this emotional variation in your experience as well. And it's really just, I, I just want to affirm that you get to have all of those emotional pieces as well. And I, I would totally experience, if I were in your shoes, an immense amount of anger and rage and frustration at the situation, knowing that now I'm left to deal with all of this on my own. The kids might be better off that it's you on their own. Uh, as callous as that might sound today, mm-hmm. but having parents who are not getting along and having one parent who is actually encouraging or allowing that abuse to happen, I don't love that. And, you know, I, I appreciate the reference, Talia, you made to mental health in this family of origin. Um, and of course, there's generational trauma, there's generational issues mm-hmm. here. 
that just keep an eye on Trent. But you know, when you're when you're present and you're thoughtful about it, you're going to be okay. It is going to be okay. Good luck, Trent. Yes, thank Take you care so of much for writing in. Mm. That's powerful, and we are rooting for you. All right, our next question comes from Candace. Her boyfriend often talks about his exes a lot, like every day, multiple times a day. Almost every time Candace does something, he'll bring up his ex saying, oh, she used to do it this way, or she was really good at this. And it's all also the same when we do something together. He'll bring up memories of him doing these things with his exes. He even compares our bodies, saying they had bigger boobs or a bigger ass. I told him before, I've told him before that it's making me feel insecure and not good enough for him. So the other night I told him I ordered his birthday gift and I was excited because I think he might actually, he might really like it. And he proceeded to tell me how he doesn't usually like gifts, but once he was really happy when his ex got him a hunting rifle, I immediately felt like (laughs) shit because my present is nothing like that. I told him I was sick of being compared and he said I was being too sensitive and he said he didn't, he wasn't comparing us and just talking about the past. He said all these things are trivial and I was basically being irrationally insecure. That's when I told him the first thing that came to my mind. I said, how would you feel if I told you my ex had a bigger dick when we were having sex? Yeah, Candace. You go, Candace. <laughs> Woo. I, I know mean, it was yeah. <laughs> I'm totally with her. Yep, keep going. I, I know it was wrong of me to say. No, no. It was nope. meant it was meant to make him feel the way I felt and that's petty. I don't know how to come back from there. He is very upset because he says <laughs> I tried to hurt him while his intentions with me were not bad. Bullshit. Keep going. <laughs> what do I do? That's her question. Okay, Candace, <laughs> let me tell you. You did it, sister. You did ah. it. That, I mean, I couldn't have come up with anything better. I think that your boyfriend is missing an empathy chip. And if he can't see how negatively comparing you to anyone, but especially your exes, would be negatively impacting you and making you feel insecure. Like, what are the motivations behind doing that? You can't want someone to feel better about themselves. It's like you want them to feel badly about themselves. You want them to know, I could do better. I have done better. Then why isn't he still with them? I would probably say something snotty like, oh, well, maybe you should call her up again. And Anyway, long story short, he does not sound like a gem. I don't think that that's the question that you were asking. What should you do? Uh, 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 I don't know. I Do we have to continue? You think she should cut it off? Douchebag? Like, oh, my God. <laughs> and he... Yes, because like if he can't understand what it is he's doing, I don't know if there's a lot of hope here. I don't think anyone would enjoy that. And in fact, I would say that healthy, happy couples make each other feel like the most wonderful human on the planet, the most beautiful, the most handsome, the smartest. Oh my God, I'm so lucky to be with you. How did I get so lucky? They might say like, oh, my ex, you know, I went with my ex to this blah 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 place, but read the effing room, D-bag. 
Like you don't say things like, oh, well, my ex-girlfriend, her eggs were fluffier and her boobs were bigger. And rah, rah, rah. Uh, No, d- dump them. I'm really loving the voice that you attributed to this boyfriend. Um, well, oh, so easily. I mean, let's just, let's call it what it is. It, it's, it's misogynistic. It feels like toxic masculinity to actually, and I think I was particularly triggered by his comments about your body. Mm. What is he thinking? Uh, when it comes to like building safety and security in a relationship, um, it really borders on being an abusive prick. Uh, and I will say that, you know, while we talk a lot about narcissism, we talk about like people who have no empathy to use your reference, Talia, or the inability to kind of understand how their behavior might have affect others. If he's a narcissist, it really is important to address that issue now and put it out there. And his defensive response to you doing exactly what it is that he was doing. Candace, I'm actually incredibly proud of you for putting out there. Like, what if I talked about my ex's dick was bigger than yours? You went to the juggler, by the way, for a dude. But also, um, I think there's or a part of this that... straight to the balls. Straight to, the, like, the heart of the matter. Don Henley's song, <laughs> Heart of the Matter, is in my head. Um, so the thing that I'm struck by about all of this is at some point, you know, he's got to be able to empathize and stop that bad, bad behavior. It's just bad behavior. Like, again, oh. you, you gave him an example of what it would feel like on the other side. And, you know, when I've worked with narcissists, the only way that I've been able to really even start to get some headway is by letting them know. So if that person did that to you, how would that feel? It doesn't work with narcissists because changing right. that personality structure is ridiculously hard. And I've had, I've had uh, I, an iota, maybe a minute of progress in doing that. It doesn't work. And I'm, I'm hearing narcissist. Like his yes, defensive can I response? jump in on the narcissistic yeah. yep. thing? Okay, so yep. one one way to like be thinking about this as well is that if he really is, I mean, because there are also people that aren't narcissists, right? They're just kind of clueless. Or maybe they're like a little bit on the spectrum even, and they don't even realize that what they're saying is offensive because it's fact. And that's very challenging, right? But then it's the empathy piece. And so yep. with a narcissist, often, if you tell them you're being an asshole, they won't care. That's how you know. That doesn't offend a narcissist. They'll be like, you're just sensitive or okay, but I'm telling the truth, right? It's, I think that what offends the narcissist the most is telling them that they are insufficient or incompetent or what else, Doug? Well, I would say, I would say also, I think sometimes it does bug a narcissist to be called an asshole, depending on how it's said, depending on the context, depending on what you do with that. Like if you tell someone, so you're really an asshole and you walk away, that's depriving them of what it is that keeps them alive and well, that, that affirmation and that, you know, that attention and that positivity. And the minute you tell a narcissist, um, you know, that, that you no longer like them or you're not drawn to them or something they're doing is offensive and you're going to walk away. They fire you. I'm making a reference right. for anybody who's interested. Or well, they, no, do... they devalue you. They, Absolutely. they kind of crumple you up like a piece of trash and they're like, they try... oh, you're the one. Absolutely. Who's... Yeah. And they turn it on you. And, and so you're doing the right thing by putting it out there. I, I think massive red zone, you know, I think you've let him know this is not okay. I'm actually... I'm, I'm wanting to go a little bit, Candace, into your own history and what it is that you've found appealing about this guy and why you would pick somebody who does that to you and allows it. 
I'll tell you honestly, if I dated somebody who said, you know, your body's not whatever, you're not working out enough, or your goatee is the wrong color, or you you just don't have hair, and I, I move on then, fucker. I mean, but this move on is the, the problem, next- Doug. This is the problem, and especially with like the Axis Two stuff, which is the, sure. the personality disorders. Especially, what they'll say is like Cluster B. These are like the fun ones, right? There's the borderline ah. and the narcissist. And is antisocial in there too? They're not quite yep. as fun. But the borderline. Yep. They're not fun at all. But the borderline, which is basically taglines are I hate you, don't leave me, and the walking on eggshells feeling. And then yep. the narcissist, right? The thing about these two personality disorders is that they, when you meet them, they are so charming and sure. they're they pull you into this beautiful web and there is nothing that shines brighter than a borderline or narcissist vibe person shining their light on you as being special and wanting it to be like the two of us against the world. So it's not just people who are unhealthy that are attracted to them, but it I agree. Is the people that are unhealthy that stay with them. That's exactly right. And it feels, I don't know how long this relationship has gone on, but that's where I was focused. Like this guy's clearly been doing this for a while. He's given you several reasons to question like what his motivation or his drive is or his underlying stuff is. I'm also going to tell you people on the spectrum are not people who don't take feedback. So I want to give a little bit of shout out to say that's very different. It's not anywhere near the same from the perspective of people on the spectrum can get feedback and they'll respond to it because they're getting told, you know, something that they can actually take in and integrate. Um, I think, but in this particular situation, isn't it that she just needs to look at how is she feeling and how is she being treated and what she needs to do now? Right. I mean, that's That's exactly right. What I'm saying is it doesn't matter that he's a narcissist. It doesn't matter that he's an asshole. She doesn't like how he makes her feel. That's right. Why is she with him? But that's that's only if you're healthy. Like if you're healthy, because we're attracted to people that treat us the way we see ourselves, the way we feel we should be treated. And there's an energetic signature to what we think love should look like and what we think love should feel like. And that signature comes from our family of origin. So if her mother or father loved her in that comparative way, that feels like home, even if it's really unhealthy, which is why everyone needs a therapist and everyone needs to do their work. But the good news is in her gut, she's like, this doesn't feel good. Yeah. And she said something. So now she can take a step further to make herself feel good and possibly tell him where he can stick it. (laughs) Well, yes. I had so many jokes, but I'm not going to make them at the moment. Um, The thing that is important here is I, I think Candace, just even by writing in this, you know, this mailbag to us, uh, I think the reality is that you you're on the right track. And I agree with you, Greg. I think at this point, Candace, you know, in terms of like, what do you do next? I think you really let him know. So all of this behavior is not okay. And then when I tried to let you know how it felt to be on the other side, you responded with this weird hurt and defensiveness. And yet you're asking me not to be so sensitive. Well, you know, it's just this constant thing. And it does speak to me of narcissism because narcissists cannot see what they're doing to somebody else in the way that they experience it and expect you to have regard for them when they, they can't give it. So 
truth is, I don't have a lot of hope for this relationship. I think you need yeah. to let him know this is not working for me. I think he'll get defensive again if I were to put bets on it. And I think that's the point of saying this does not work for you. And so I can't luck. tell you how impressed I am with what you're showing as your self-worth and your self-esteem, just that you actually said something. I feel like people with narcissists everywhere are screaming out your name and it's so impressive. Yeah. Go get them. Take care, Candace. Have a question for Doug or Talia. Email us your questions at questions at renotfine.com. Eligible questions will be randomly selected for upcoming episodes. For details, visit our website at renotfine.com. Join us every Tuesday for new conversations, new challenging topics, and fun.